Psalms 103, verse 1 to 12, then 19 to 22. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. I thought we might start with a little light humour today. I found this cartoon which I thought was quite apt since we're looking at worship. Quite funny. Anyway, let's pray together as we delve into God's word. Father God, we thank you for the gift of worship, that that is the only thing that we can truly give to you. And we pray that as we explore this gift today, that you would expand our hearts and minds to see the vastness of this gift and the vastness of your goodness to us. Amen. Now, you can probably tell by how brown I am uh, that I've been away on holiday. Fortunately, I didn't zoom off in a plane somewhere because I might not have made it back to preach this weekend. Instead, I drove my motorhome to Cambridgeshire. And when I was there, I went to Ely Cathedral. And inside Ely Cathedral, there is a 13th century chapel. Uh, dedicated to the Virgin Mary. It's a beautiful, simple uh, space. And in it is a very modern altar. Uh, the picture should be on the screen now. And uh, you might just notice the bottom of Mary's blue dress uh, in the top of the picture. And so then let's look at the picture with the whole image. There's Mary standing on top of the altar. And then there's a further picture where it's a zoom in on Mary. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever seen Mary depicted in this way before? I wonder what stirs in you as you look at this image. 
This sculpture of the Virgin Mary was made by David Wynne. It captures the moment when, having been told by the angel that she's to be the mother of the Son of God, she willingly accepts her vocation. This statue, probably understandably, has caused a great deal of controversy. Instead of portraying Mary as a meek figure, she's instead portrayed as a strong and determined real woman. And yet she is submitting to God's will. She's lifting her arms in worship and she's acknowledging that he alone is holy. She's declaring that she is his servant. In this sculpture, Mary is going all in with God, every fibre of her being, all her inmost being, praising his name as she declares, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. And this reminds me of the beginning of our psalm today, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his name. David is exhorting himself to praise God and to love him with every fibre of his being. He is all in, in his worship of God. It's been suggested that this psalm was written later on in David's life and perhaps after he'd just recovered from a serious illness. And as we know, David had a very eventful life, times when he followed God wholeheartedly and then other times where he went his own way. And yet David knew how intimately God loved him, despite his own shortcomings. And so here he is expressing his love, admiration, adoration and wonder at God's holiness and presence. So David starts with wholeheartedly praising God. He is all in, in his worship of God. So what about us then? Are we all in too? I wonder if I drew an imaginary line where we would each put ourselves. If here on my right, your left, is 100% sold out in our worship of God and the other end is barely acknowledging his presence in our lives. Where would we put ourselves? I would suggest I'd put myself somewhere in the middle and that I perhaps move up and down at times. What about you? Just take a moment and reflect with God where you are on that line. So my hope for each one of us today is that we move further along that line in our worship of God. Now, as we know, worshipping God is so much more than singing and music. That's just one way to express it. We also worship using spoken words, using liturgy, creativity and even our posture. But reflecting on those ways that we worship can reduce worship to something smaller than David is talking about here. Because worship starts deep within us. It comes from the place of breathing in God's goodness and we then cannot help but exhale worship. It starts with God and his mercy towards us and then the overflow 
is our worship. Worship is our acknowledgement that God is totally other than me, and yet he is with me. True and full worship happens when actually our entire life becomes a declaration of trust in God. We worship God with the whole of our lives, what we say, what we do and how we live, all in, in our worship. Paul expressed this very idea in his letter to the Romans when he said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So firstly, our worship should be all in. Secondly, then, in our psalm, David reminds himself of all of God's benefits, his forgiveness, his healing, his redemption, his love and compassion. And also the way that God satisfied his desires so that his youth was renewed like an eagle's and how God worked righteousness and justice for the oppressed. These were all ways that David had experienced the love and reality of God's spiritual blessings in his life. David's worship is rooted in knowing that God is all in for him. But David then moves to God's character and how he deals with us. Those beautiful verses about the Lord being compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in love. David reminds us that God does not treat us as we deserve, but instead his love for us is as high as the heavens are above the earth. Then in the next verse of the psalm, this time taken from the Passion Translation, we read, Farther than from a sunrise to a sunset, That's how far he has removed our guilt from us. Ian Stackhouse describes these two verses like this. The vertical access of God's great love for those who fear him is wonderfully matched by the horizontal distance that God places between us and our sins. God's endless love stretches from one eternity to the other, unbroken and unrelenting towards those who bow down in awe of him. David knows God is all in for us. But what about us? Do we really know that? Because I know that at the moment, I can sometimes let my circumstances get in the way of my worship of God. And I wonder whether any of these resonate with you. Tiredness affects it. The fact that my children don't like it. What about a big one for many of us? If I can't sing, I can't worship. And then struggling with the seemingly closed doors for next steps in my life, which is common for many at this time. But actually our praise of God is not dependent on our circumstances. That's why David reminds himself and us of all of God's benefits and characteristics, how he has acted in the past 
and how he continues to act in his life. Let's look at others who do this, who worship in spite of their circumstances. Think of Paul and Silas thrown into prison recorded in Acts 16. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely flogged. They were thrown into prison. The jailer commanded to guard them carefully and he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Yet about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas worshipped because they knew how God had acted in the past and that God was all in for them. Then many of you know Gretchen and her family and the truly difficult journey that they have had since May last year when Clay, the youngest of their three children, died tragically. Gretchen is now facing her own quite severe health problems and yet through all of this she has continued to worship God through the tears, through the pain and through the anguish. She describes worship as being a tremendous blessing that God has given her as it protects her heart whilst at the same time giving her grieving space. She says that worship keeps God sovereign in her life. It gives her the right perspective. She wrote this last week and is continuing to stand in complete faith that God hears all the precious prayers that she prays and that are prayed on her behalf and that she can trust him with all of it. Gretchen knows that God is all in for her. You see, worship is not about us. It's about God. Our worship and our hope are not based on our ability to measure up, but in the immeasurable, incomprehensible goodness of God. We dare to profess that the ruling power of the universe treats us like a loving father. And such love demands our soul, our life, our all. We can profess this because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Through him we too are sons and daughters of the Father. This is crucial to our worship, knowing that God is all in for us. Perhaps we need to remind ourselves of this more. Tom Wright puts it this way. If your idea of God or if your idea of the salvation offered in Christ is vague or remote, your idea of worship will be fuzzy and ill-informed. The closer you get to the truth, the clearer becomes the beauty and the more you will find worship welling up in you. That's why theology and worship belong together. So let's intentionally use God's living word to remind ourselves of who God is and his gospel message. God is for us and has always been for us. Next term we will be looking together at how we are an integral part of God's bigger story. God really is all in for us. So then we've considered that we should be all in in our worship and then as we worship, 
we're reminded that God is all in for us. But even so, we're still limiting what worship is. Let's look at the final part of Psalm 103 to discover the third piece of the puzzle about worship. We read, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And then in the next verses, who does David say praises God? He says the angels, the heavenly hosts and all the created world. David reminds himself to praise the Lord in the company of all that he has created. So that is all the world, including nature. Think of Isaiah 55. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. If we're worshipping with the whole of the created order, let's just think about the work of Arosha for a moment that we've heard about today. We know it's good and right to care for creation and to be concerned about climate change. But have we ever wondered how we actually affect the worship of creation by our mishandling of the wonderful earth we live in? God's intention is that we worship him altogether. We often say that worship is corporate, but actually that is in a much wider sense than we often think, involving all of creation too. So our worship is about being all together. And so let's just go back to where we left Paul and Silas in prison, worshipping God. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The, the prison guard, the jailer, fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So when we worship God with the whole of our lives, it releases his Holy Spirit power changing things around us, including the hearts of others. That's because we're all together when we worship, even if we're physically alone worshipping. Because, as I said, we're joining with the angels, the heavenly hosts, all creation and all other believers around the world. And when we worship God together in this way, his Holy Spirit is released to do his work amongst us, and in those around us. And this is indeed what we have seen and experienced as we've worshipped in our homes for our online service. As we've gathered as online church, either alone in our homes or with our families, God has poured out his Holy Spirit on us as his church. Even if we're not together physically, we are all together in worship. No wonder David reminds us at the end of his psalm, praise the Lord, O my soul. 
But then what about the physical corporate worship that happens when we come together as gathered church? It's really significant and powerful to gather as a church to worship. Mark Erie describes it like this. When we gather, we each bring our own worship, like individual eggs. But then when we worship together, it's a bit like making an omelette. All the individual eggs are broken and something new results. We are broken in order to be remade together, worshipping in Christ as part of his body. This is holistic corporate worship as Christ's body gathered together. And of course, it is really painful not to be able to sing worship together. But by choosing to come and gather, if we feel safe to and we are able to, we are actually then declaring a powerful act of worship to God. By being gathered all together, whatever the restrictions, as we meet to worship him, we encounter afresh his love and his Holy Spirit poured out on us. His Holy Spirit bringing healing to our broken places and reuniting us together as his bride, his church. God is so much more and can do so much more than we can think or imagine. And worshipping together opens our eyes afresh to him. I love this quote from Francis Chan about worship. Isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? When we worship together, it whets our appetite. It doesn't satisfy our hunger to God, our hunger for God. It just whets our appetite for his shalom, his peace, and for the release of the streams of living water, his Holy Spirit, his gift to us. So let's be worshippers with all of our lives. Let's be all in. Let's remember that God is all in for us. And then when we worship, we do it all together, bowing the knee before him with all believers on earth, all creation and all the heavenly hosts. Let's remember that as we worship him as his church together here at Christchurch. So we're going to take some time to do that first by reflecting on the words of Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. This hymn was written as a paraphrase of Psalm 103. So let me just pray as we take time to reflect. A prayer from Augustine of Hippo. Lord, you never go away from us, yet we have difficulty in returning to you. Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back. Kindle us and seize us. Be our fire and our sweetness. Let us love, let us run to you in worship. Amen. <laughs>